Good morning and welcome. If you are visiting with us, we're glad you're here. If this is your first time or first of a few times, we're very thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning, just to kind of give you an idea of where we are. We're in a three-part marriage series. Um, Last week, we looked at what marriage isn't. Today, we're going to look at what marriage is. And then the third part next week, we're going to look at raising up a heritage. How does raising children fit in this ministry of marriage? How does it fit in and how does it affect marriage? And so uh, at the end of the month, after that sermon, we will have a uh, deacon appointment service that I hope you will all be here for. Um, critical time in our church when we appoint and lay hands on men who have been deaconing but will be formally appointed. And then in November, uh, we're going to be in a church series, What is the Church, that Ben will be preaching. And so just to give you an idea of where we're going, if you're visiting and don't know that, now you know that's where we're headed. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you'll turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, that'll be our main passage for this morning. And before we get into this, I want us to pray uh, one more time before we jump into the sermon here. I always want to, we try and pray for, uh, based on 1 Timothy 2, Paul's instruction there to pray for our governmental leaders, government leaders, so that there will be peace, and we ask for God to turn the heart of the king and our civil leaders so that there'll be peace, so that this gospel that we preach and we walk in, it'll go forward. Um, and so we also want to pray for some another church in town uh, and pray kind of against the spirit of competition that can so easily pervade any community of churches. And so let's pray, and then let's pray that our hearts would be in tune to this this morning. Father, we want to lift up this morning and ask you to bless and govern and guide those that lead us in our community, elected officials in the state. There's so much going on. And in this day, it can be and feel so complicated with threats, diseases, um, economies. And we say this morning that we trust you and that we know you're on your throne. And we pray that you would guide and govern, and we recognize that you do, through elected officials. And while we appreciate that, we pray that you would create a spirit of peace, a time of peace, for the the sole purpose of your gospel going out. And we pray for that smooth going out of this gospel to all peoples. And God, we also want to pray this morning for Ridgecrest Baptist Church, the church that birthed Cross Point many years ago, and Matt Beasley, who is their lead pastor there, that this morning he would be preaching a gospel of hope and grace. And in the context and with the support of godly designed leadership and um, 
that they would honor you this morning with how they move as a church. And God, I also pray that, and I'm thankful, we're thankful for the partnership that we still have with Ridgecrest, that you would guard that unity that we already have established by you, that you would guard it from any insecurities, any history, any kind of gossip, that you would guard our partnership with that church and our leadership and their leadership, and that you would actually make it flourish for your sake and for the gospel's sake in this community. We pray this morning that you would give us attentive hearts and ears to what is a very difficult thing to walk in. A lot of work and a lot of difficulty in walking this out, this thing is of marriage. So I pray you'd give us hope this morning through your word. You'd give us a framework to walk in here. And that's what we expect and that's what we ask and that's what we'll enjoy. For your sake and in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week, I mentioned it a while ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul is saying to these young couples who are engaged, who apparently had asked him a question before, uh, what about marriage? What, what do, where do you place marriage? What should we do with this? And Paul says, in light of the distress of your faith in this world, for them it was famine and probably a really horrible economy and even some persecution on their faith, the same could be applied for us. There's a distress in walking out a faith around every corner for you and I. It may not be exactly like it was for Corinth. But in light of the stress of walking out your faith and living out your faith, don't look to marriage to be the solution to your problems. Don't look to marriage to be what it wasn't designed to be. The source of all your comfort, your peace, the, the solution to your insecurities. Don't look to marriage to be the source of your happiness. And then Paul goes on to say, you know, the distraction of marriage where, where you have these expectations that it's going to be something and then it's not and then you place unfair expectations on your spouse and then it's just a, a pool of anxiety that's distracting. But instead ask, how can you please the Lord together? And um, that is what we looked at, what marriage isn't. It isn't the something better that we've looked at for months in Hebrews. It isn't the solution. So let's check our expectations that we bring into marriage, okay? Now, Ephesians 5, Paul tells the Ephesians, he's giving some order to the church. This is how I want you to walk out. This is how I want your faith to be lived out and walked out. And speaking of marriage, this is how it should be walked out. And this is what it is. This is what marriage is. What marriage is, it refers to, he'll say, to Jesus and the church. That our marriages dimly reflect the something better. So marriage isn't trash, and it's not to be discarded. It's to be esteemed, but don't worship it. So that's, that's the balance that we're looking for here this morning. The mystery is profound, he says. And if you're boggled by your marriage and it's a mystery to you right now, it, it's supposed to be. But it's a profound mystery that we'll see in just a minute that refers to and puts on display Jesus redeeming a people. A people, not just Israel anymore, but the whole world, choosing his people from all over. 
for His glory. That is what your marriage puts on display, can put on display. I mentioned this a couple years ago when I preached on marriage that there's an order to our ministry under the sun. There's an order to it where uh, I call it husband, daddy, pastor. So for me, my first ministry is that as a husband, second as a father, third as a pastor. Now, I am a pastor, I'm an elder, but you can fill in the blank in that third one for any of you. Whatever ministry you engage outside the home has to be ordered. And your first and best is to your spouse. It's to be given to your spouse that we'll see this morning. And so this is the order that we're going for. Or, wife, mommy, ministry outside the home. And that's the order that Ephesians 5 gives us. So let's read Ephesians 5, 22 through 32, and then we'll go back and look at some of these things specifically in this passage. Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his, his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There are, there's a context for this passage, and it's mutual submission. I want you to look quickly back at verse 21. In telling and helping these people understand how to walk out their faith, and specifically in marriage, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this submission word that's going to be given to wives here in a minute is not exclusive. And we'll look a little closer at that in just a minute, at what that is and what it isn't. It's not exclusive. We submit to one another. In relationships in this church, we submit to one another mutually. And husband and wife submit to one another mutually. However, wives, I see here two prominent instructions here for the wife. And just to let you know, as hard as that may sound, as daunting as these instructions are, our, the, the, the husband's list is much longer and much, much more daunting. And that, that's not just because I'm a husband, but when we unpack this, uh, it's, it's almost, um, it's just, it just it seems impossible. And I think that's his design. So, the first, submit. What does he mean by this? Submit to your husband. He doesn't mean cower down, 
Consider yourself worthless. It doesn't mean that he's worth more than you or that you don't have a voice at all. That's not what he means. The idea here is to help him lead by following. Help him lead. Be his helpmate. For instance, I am not more important or worth more to Jesus because I'm in a position of leadership here at this church. Do you see that? Because I've been given a position and a responsibility and an accountability to lead, I'm not worth more to him. It's a role that he's given me. And wives, your husbands have been given a role to lead. And your role is to help him lead by following. You see that? It's not about worth. If you want to turn there, you can. I want you to see Galatians 3, 27 through 29. If you want to turn there, I'll give you a second to turn there. Because I want you to see this. I want you to know, wives, that Paul is not talking about your worth. He's not talking about what you can and what you can't do. (laughs) What you're able to do and what you're not able to do, wives. He's talking about a role and a position. Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. There is no worth scale here. There is a role and an order to how we're to walk out marriage. And wives, you are called to help husbands lead by following and being someone who is a joy to lead, ideally. The second thing that Paul gives for the wives here is found in verse 33. Jumping past the man list here, the husband list, and going straight to verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. The very definition of respect here. This is not a um, kind of passing respect where a, um, a passive, um, I, don't, I can't remember the word I'm looking for but right now, but This is a deep admiration that translated from the Greek more accurately would be a reverence. A reverence for your husband. It's, It's stopping shy. Don't throw anything at me. It's stopping shy of worship. And it's not meaning worship. But in terms of definition of getting the full meaning of what the wife does for the husband and And in this role is to revere him, even fear him. Not scared of, but a reverence for him. And just a little goes a long way, wives. A little bit of respect, a little bit of reverence. Not because we deserve it, but because of the position and the role that he's given us. And not because we deserve it, but because 
grace. I know that when each time I read Ephesians 5, I get a stomachache. <laughs> what we are called to be and do in these roles seems so daunting. That when I read through that list for the husband, I'm like, good night. <laughs> this is difficult and impossible. And I know that some of you, when you hear these expectations, wives, you hear the word submit, your spine crawls a little, and you hear revere him, huh. you hadn't lived with him. <laughs> revere him? And I know that we can begin to think about the what if, or you don't know him. You don't know her. What if, he, Brad, that's, this is idealistic. You, you don't know what, what he's done to me. You don't know what he hasn't done for me. You don't know what she's done to me. You don't know what if, what if, what if, what if. And I know that's where our minds can go. But before we go any further into these lists, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11. And I want us to look at something that we have, the jumping off point, for engaging this list of our roles in marriage. Romans chapter 11, a short passage. As he is explaining that there is a remnant chosen, and it's not just Israel anymore, but this gospel is going out to all peoples, and it's, it's not just Israel anymore. And what Israel couldn't attain, now he has given freely to those chosen. It's amazing. It's the something better that we've looked at. It's, think about what this Hebrews preacher has been saying for months to us. We got it better. We're enjoying better. in Jesus. So when you start to think about deserve, when you're talking about your spouse and respect and love and nourish and cherish you. If the word deserve comes up, let's, let's read verse 5. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, Grace would no longer be grace. Chosen. Being, we sit here enjoying being grafted in. It's what, what Israel couldn't attain, we get by way of Jesus. Unbelievable. Undeserved, right? Totally undeserved. But it's called grace. <laughs> And if somehow it's deserved, then it's not grace. Do you see it? And so, wives, when you consider respect and reverence for a husband, and that seems impossible or difficult, consider extending that respect. Extend it. It's undeserved, but when you extend some respect 
to your husband, when you extend some reverence, when you extend some admiration, not because it's deserved. Why? Because of grace. Because we know that we sit and enjoy something undeserved today. And this supper that we'll eat, undeserved. So why extend that respect and admiration to him even when you don't feel like he should get it? Why? Grace. And husbands, here we go. When we expect and we need and we demand some respect and some admiration, are we doing that because we feel like we deserve it? I don't know about you, but I'll speak for husbands for a minute. And I don't think I'm going too far when I say, I wonder, weekly, daily, I wonder if I'm getting it right at all. This list that I'm about to go through, that Paul we just read, I I wonder, am I I even leading at all? (laughs) Am I... Am I putting the gospel in front of my wife at all? Am I even cherishing and nourishing enough? Am I loving? Am I dying to myself enough? Am I what? It's just this myriad of... My sin is close at hand. It, I am well aware of my failure. As a husband, I'm well aware of my failures. And I don't care if you've made a total and complete mess as a husband or if your sins and your messes are still undisclosed. Wives, we need a lot of grace. We need a lot of grace. And husbands, when she extends some admiration, when she extends some respect, and when she extends just a little bit of that encouragement, because you deserve it it's because of grace and that's a totally different way to receive your wife's respect and admiration to receive it as a grace from God that she would extend and trust you having known you and I think sometimes we think well we've been together 10 years we've been together 2 years, 20 years, 30 years she should know by now he should know by now He should have done something to deserve a little more respect. And if that's the jumping off point for you and I, Ephesians 5 will be continually frustrating and discouraging. Do you see that? Ephesians 5 is just going to be impossible to, to flourish in your marriage. For him to lead well and you to follow well, to submit to him and respect to him, it's just going to feel impossible without grace and so I'd ask you this question he says right here if it's about deserving then grace would no longer be grace and so the question for our marriages is grace still grace is grace still grace in your marriage or is it about deserving That is the jumping off point for Ephesians 5.
grace. Let's look back now at this list for husbands quickly. I'm not going to give this this uh, extensive unpacking, but I do want us to know what he's saying and what he means and give us a framework for how to give our first and our best to our spouse, to how to walk in something so daunting. If this is a preeminent and profound window into the gospel and a window or a mirror to this great mystery of Jesus, then how do we walk in it? We walk in it in grace, and I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to feel like you've got the equipment to walk in these things. This is going to order our movement. So, this is tough. First thing in verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This loving encompasses all of your movement, not your job, not your kids, not your hobbies. This is not something you fall into, guys. This is not something that falls on you or you fall into. It's something you walk in. And this goes for the wives too. Because in the context of the chapter 5, that's what he's talking about. This is how you walk in love and walk in light. Just look back at the beginning of chapter 5 on the opposite page. Look at verse 2 and then look at 8 through 10. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Look at verse 8. For at that time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Your marriage will bear fruit of love and light when you see the loving that you're doing as an action, not a feeling. When you walk in it and you do it even though you don't feel like it, even though that spouse is not lovable, we love anyway, and it bears fruit. It's a mystery, but we trust it. Walk in it. Don't fall in it. Second thing, give up yourself. Give up yourself. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You have to die to yourself, husband. You have to die to your self-esteem, your hobbies, your dreams, your plans, your vocation, your identity as macho man. All of those things come behind your bride. All of those things. Something has to give. Just as he sacrificed, there will be a sacrifice for you as a husband when it comes to the ministry to your bride. Something's got to give with us as husbands. And guys, what has to give is us. We have to die to everything we don't want to die to. Number three, the third thing here. Verse 26, you give himself, he gives himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. What does he mean? You know, throw water on her? I mean... Are you supposed to make her be baptized? No, that's not what he's saying. But the picture of baptism here is two baptized believers walking this out. Husbands, when you put the word in front of her, when you 
when you teach and speak the word. That's what Paul's saying here. You don't assume that she's picking it up from her lady's devotional book. Great. Nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with a lady's devotional book or a lady's Bible study. Or that you're, she's just hearing the gospel at church. It is an instruction for us to not just live it, but speak the gospel to our wives. Apply the gospel truths so that she hears it. The Bible says you walk in the gospel, you know it, and we are actually sanctified. We are changed when we hear it. And so is it on our lips as a husband. That's the hardest part because I like to assume that Christy is just picking up the gospel because we're in a lot of gospel community and conversations. You know? That's very easy for me to just to go, look, she's got great friends, LTG, uh, awesome preaching here. I mean, my, my wife is getting a steady diet of the gospel. But is she hearing it from me? Am I saying that she is so important and her sanctification as my bride that that's on me. And I am taking that so seriously that I will do what I'm not good at and I feel feeble in and I will speak it to her. And to someone who I feel, transparency here, who I feel like doesn't listen to me like other people do. (laughs) Yeah, you're not the only one difficult, but do I just give up and not do it? Or do I say, I must have the gospel on my lips and I must teach the word, talk about the word to my wife. And in mutual submission, listen to her and listen to the gospel from her. The sanctification that happens when the word is heard and believed What are they hearing from us? There's a purpose here. It does something more than just sanctify your wife and transform her and transform you. It does something more because there's there's something, uh, there's a goal here. And he says it so that, in verse, was it 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And that's the fourth thing, guys is present her. Present her. Her sanctification is in great measure on on you, husband. You are responsible for it. And do you feel the impact of that responsibility? When was the last time you even considered the responsibility of presenting her? Uh, Daily. This is who I'm presenting as my bride. in light of a mirror to how Jesus will present us as his bride. Think about making a presentation. I mean, for some of you, you you get nauseous at thinking that you would have to make a presentation. At work, up here, to stand up here and make a presentation takes preparation, it takes study, you better know what you're talking about, it takes some work. You better adorn some things and get some things ready if you're going to make a presentation. And guys, that is what we're called to. How are we presenting our wives? Are they, you know, if, 
if it's not my first ministry and it's not taking my priority and time and affection and attention, then I'm not doing much presenting. Presenting her like we will be presented. Revelation 21. Don't, don't turn there. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Do you feel that weight? Guys, husbands, do you feel the weight of as Jesus works to prepare us, we work to present our wives. It's on us. Adorning her with righteousness and holiness in the word and washing her with the word. Number five. Let's keep going. Verse 28. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This pursuit of our wives, this adorning them, plays out in nourishing and cherishing, providing not just what she needs, but beginning with the Word, providing what she needs. And also then, everything else in regards to the provision for her. Life needs. Emotional needs. Whatever she needs... That's on you, husband, to nourish and cherish and protect. This means we don't attempt to impress her or earn her love. Remember, we're not talking about deserving or earning. We're talking about grace. And in that, we're going to provide what she needs. She doesn't need longer hours and more money, even though that may be what we think. Nicer clothes and nicer cars. We make sure she's being nourished with the Word and that she has what she needs to live. Remember, husbands, to check your expectations. Remember 1 Corinthians 7. Check your expectations of what you expect her to be. Are you expecting her to be the source of all your comfort, all your peace, all your insecurities vanquished because of who she is and how she treats you? Or the respect that you get or don't get? Check your expectations. Marriage is not the something better. And then sixth and last, hold fast to her. For no one ever hates his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. You leave your family of origin. You leave your father and mother. And there's something new that happens. And you hold fast to her. You hold fast to your wife. Meaning you keep holding her. And you don't stop. If you're here this morning. And man, you'd never admit it. But maybe in the back of your mind. You're thinking of bailing. Don't do it. Don't bail out because it's difficult. Don't quit. If you're thinking, boy, divorce would be messy, but it sure would bring relief. Remember what Paul said. The grass is not greener on the other side. If you're married, don't seek to be single. If you're single, don't seek a wife. 
If you're thinking of not holding fast to her, or ladies, if you're thinking of not holding fast in submission and respect, and you'd just soon bail out, remember what the Hebrews preacher said. Don't go back. You have something better. You have something better together. You have a better priest. You have a better Savior. You have a better story. Together, as friends, in the most intimate and intense human experience, you have the better. And, watch this, your marriage actually puts the something better on display. It does both. You enjoy this thing together in Jesus, this grace that we talked about in Romans 11, of not deserving but just getting blessed with grace, chosen, undeserved. And you get to enjoy that together, and then when you're enjoying it together, it puts that very thing on display. It's profound, isn't it? It's preeminent. It's big. Nothing else like it under the sun. Nothing else under the sun like two people enjoying the something better in Jesus together and then it putting that very thing on display. It is a mystery and it is profound. And he goes on to say that. When two become one, it's profound. He means by that, he, what he's indicating is, yes, Jesus and his redemption of a chosen people. It's not about just Israel anymore. And this thing is going out to all nations. That's big. That is profound. That mystery of why did he hide that for so long in in Israel. And then now, boom, Jesus comes and it goes everywhere. that's That's a mystery hidden for ages. And we're enjoying the age of something better. And see, that has that has come to fruition. And we're enjoying it together. And it's profound. But your marriage under the sun is also profound. I want to be clear there. The story that what we put on display in our marriage is profound. It's eternal, otherworldly, but under the sun, your marriage is profound. It is a preeminent ministry. Paul is saying the story that it reveals is amazing and it's profound, but what you're walking in is also profound. It is preeminent ministry. That's why we say, husbands, your first and your best go to your wife. Wives, your first and your best to your husband. It's a profound ministry. It's a profound mystery. This is the window into the gospel story of Jesus and his church. We can, um, I think, nod and agree at that, you know, like, wow, I see it now, Brad, that's good. It's, it's big. It's profound. And yeah, it deserves my first and my best. But we are a very ambitious people here. That Crosspoint is a very ambitious people. We're not the only ambitious people in the world. But what's in front of us is a very ambitious people. You have taken on ministries that are worthy and noble. Good, worthy, noble ministries. I, I couldn't even list all of them. What all you all are involved in, in this community, what you're involved in outside of the actual ministry of the word and prayer here, it's, it's a joy to see. Missions, adoption, foster, the list, keep going down. Crisis Pregnancy Center, 
I mean, all the things y'all are in. We are an ambitious people. And my caution would be, are we ambitious, as ambitious, about putting in the work of Ephesians 5 and walking this out and giving our first and best to this ministry? There is an order, and your first and best goes to your spouse. That's what he's teaching us here. Marriage is not something to be worshipped, but it, it is profound. And what it puts on display is sweet. And it's a covenant that isn't to be broken. And it is difficult. And it should come first. It is a profound ministry. We must guard and we must protect and reorder our ambitions. I'll say this again. I, I don't see how we can flourish in this without Romans 11. Grace upon grace. Extending this respect and this submission to your husband and husbands, loving and then dying to yourself. It can only be because of grace. It's the equipment for marriage is the something better, is the, the age of Jesus. That is what we enjoy. That's the equipment for walking in this. And then when we walk on it, in it, that's how we flourish in our marriage. Just to sum up, maybe a final two or three thoughts here. Summed up what men are constantly searching for, pining for, and demanding even, is some respect. And they should be first receiving that respect from their wife. And what women, what wives are searching for and pining for, this love and pursuit and protection and cherishing, they should be first receiving from their shepherd, from their husband. That's the order. And I'll say it again. Wives, we, we're not up for it. We're not up for the task. We need a lot of grace. And we can't love you like Jesus loves the church. And we need your help. And we need your grace in it. And wives, we know you won't admire and respect us like we feel like we deserve sometimes. And we need to have grace with you. And we will love you in spite of what we feel like we deserve. And then, when we enjoy Romans 11, that grace is grace, and it's not grace when you deserve, when we enjoy that together, then we're able to walk in this because of grace. I'm not able to do this unless Christy extends me some grace. She is not able to walk in this unless I extend her some grace. And we walk in this together, enjoying that grace. We're going to take the supper, and I, want, I don't want you to check out, because I, I really feel like this passage that I want to share with you in, in light of taking this supper is too good to not just do it again, because we did it last week. Philippians chapter 2. Turn there with me. Philippians chapter 2. 
If there was ever a passage in your Bible that was the perfect marriage advice encapsulated in a few verses, this would be it. Not so that you'll be happy in marriage, but so that you'll know how to walk in it. And we saw last week when we looked at this that marriage is an intense human experience and that Jesus walked in an intense human experience not so that he would be happy or make you happy, but so that he would obey the Father and be faithful. When it's the most difficult for you and I to walk in this Ephesians 5, we have to. The equipment for that is what Jesus has accomplished and why he did it, to be faithful and true. And and any attempt for you and I to stay faithful and true in our marriage out of our own effort or because we deserve certain things is doomed. But when we move in that because of what he has done, And because of how he accomplished it, that's the equipment to stay in it and keep holding fast. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord on one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He made himself nothing. You hear that, husbands? He made himself nothing. and took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient, faithful, to the point of death, even on a cross. Let's take the supper. If you are here with us and you're not a member of Cross Point, we invite you to take this supper with us. Um, we, We would tell you, if your only hope is in Jesus, then take this supper. If if it's not, or you're still crossways with another believer or brother or sister, then don't take it. But take it. If you're trusting and, and you, are, you have confessed, and your confession is that he is my only hope, then enjoy this with us. If you're here this morning and you're enjoying and feeling very undeserving of a grace extended uh, a love that was perfect and obedient and faithful and didn't miss it and never does and was so faithful even to the point of death if you're if you're undeserving this morning and you enjoy that take an eat <clears throat> if you're here and you're in the middle of what you feel like is too messy of a marriage or it's just too hard um, or you're losing hope or maybe you've even thought about losing hope just remember the grace extended undeserved even though you may look around and see people who aren't they don't have a messy marriage or they've got it figured out 
Let me tell you something. I had no hope, none without him. my, My future was doomed until he took a hold of me. Undeserved. I hope that no matter where you are in your marriages or what you've experienced, that you will, your view to it and to what has happened will be bathed in grace. Undeserved. And that you will not lose hope. And that you will not quit. And that you will not go back. But that you will enjoy and extend grace. That's my hope. I had no hope without him. Man. I want to leave you with this benediction. Y'all stand with me, and I want to just read this. Psalm 32. Because even as daunting as this walk of faith and walking out love in a marriage can be, and how ill-equipped I am, and how my sin weighs me down, and why would he ask somebody like me to do this? I don't understand. But this is where I find... uh, A lot of encouragement. This is from David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. There is hope. Don't give up. Extend the grace. Y'all are dismissed. Thank you for being here. You loved it. Like radiant diamonds.